Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So I want to just uh, read my introduction here again, uh, just to kind of set purpose and boundary to what we're talking about um, concerning do not quench the spirit. On Sunday mornings, you know, at, uh, as the spirit of God leads, we have uh, had the gifts of the spirit in operation uh, during the service at different times. And I, as I was praying about what's, you know, what we're doing and what got the direction that God's leading us, um, I realized uh, just by impression of the Holy Spirit that most of the people that share either on a Sunday morning usually here are, are here on Wednesday nights. And so Wednesday night typically tends to be more your discipleship group. I know we're a little thin tonight, but that happens with the first few snows and all that stuff. I don't, people, I guess, get braver as they go. I don't know. But, uh, um, <laughs> you know, I'm with Heidi. If, you're, if you live here, you should be brave already. You should just be, you know ready to go. But uh, I'm sure people are joining us online as well. But uh, this teaching is important because the Lord desires the move of the Spirit in the church, but He desires it done the biblical way. And so there's only one way to frame it up the biblical way. You have to use the Bible. Um, And what happens is, and we'll look at this a little bit tonight um, again, because we looked at it last week, but I didn't feel like I got enough time on it. what happens is, is Pentecostals or even those who don't know anything about Pentecostalism that come into a church that's more, I, I, I don't, that's the best way I can define it, but a spirit-filled church, I'll call it that. Um, everybody brings with them their thought. I mean, including me. Including the way that I saw it done. And uh, I am biased to the way I saw it done. I think it was the best way. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. All right, But that doesn't mean, because I've read things in studying this, and I go, oh, that's actually a different thought than I've had before. And so it's important that we don't, and this is something the Lord keeps emphasizing, I think I mentioned it Sunday, that we don't just come and sit and hear. And then I, oh, look at the pile of information that I've gathered. Um, In fact, Heidi, will you look in my binder there? Uh, it's in the front, not the front, front pocket, but the middle one, I guess. And my big journal's in there. Can you bring that to me? So, um, the knowledge is good, but in and of itself, thank you, in and of itself, uh, knowledge by itself can just puff you up. Have you ever been around somebody that knows a lot about the Bible, but you can tell they don't know the Lord? I've been around some people that don't know the Bible hardly at all, but they know the Lord. Like, they can't really read. I worked with a guy who, he couldn't really read. And he would tell me what the Holy Spirit would say to him. I mean, he just struggled to read. He didn't like it. And I said, well, get an audio Bible. You know? And he did, I think he eventually did, and he started listening that way. But he wasn't a great reader. But you know what? He also told me the Lord told him to walk around a house that he was trying to buy that people said he wasn't going to be able to get and pray over it, and he got it. I mean, he shared testimony after testimony of things that the Lord, the Spirit of God had told him to do. And he knew, Now, he knew the Lord. And then I've been around people that have been to seminary, cemetery, seminary. <laughs> and it's not all bad. Not all seminary is bad. I'm, not, I'm just teasing on that. But 
but they know a lot. And man, I, I've been on job sites before talking to guys. This was obviously when I was working construction. And this gentleman was talking to me about things. And he was using all these big, fancy words that you find in, in commentaries and stuff like that. I find the commentaries that don't use the big, fancy words. And then if they do use a big, fancy word, you know what I do just for you? I look up what that word means, and I get the simple one, and I plug it into my notes. Because that's how I'll understand it. I won't understand it with the, you know, I don't study the dictionary. I'm sorry. And, uh, uh, and I, I really do believe Jesus taught so common people heard him gladly. And the common people of his day couldn't read or write. That's pretty impressive. They understood. He said, the kingdom of God is like a seed. And they're like, hey, I know what a seed does. I'm a farmer. You know? It was simple. It was understood. So we need to have knowledge, but we can't let knowledge overtake the move of the Spirit. And, we, and people actually do this. They actually restrict the move of the Spirit through their intellect. And so everybody in this church is bringing something here. You may be really new to the church. You may have been here for a few years. Some of us have been here since day one. Day one. Who's been here since day one? Yep, us three. <laughs> And all the kids that are represented in those families. Since day one, we've been here. Now, me and Mike have a similar background as we both went to Bible college at Ramah. So we, we have that background. We were trained at Ramah. Um, but we still, there's things I've learned since Ramah. And I go, oh, maybe we could do that different. Not that Ramah did it wrong or that where we went to Bible college did it wrong. It's just we're going to do it a little bit different here than they did it there. And you just grow, you develop, you, you, you bring to the table what you know, but then you go, oh, there's more to this than I thought. There's, there's a deeper revelation of the things of the Spirit than I thought. How many have ever done this? I heard a testimony, and I'm warming you up here, but I heard a testimony uh, years ago from a minister. He, was, uh, he actually was headed to a, a meeting with Kennedy Hagan, and Brother Hagan opened up the... Uh, um, the Bible, and he said, turn with me to Mark eleven twenty three. And this minister is at almost all his meetings, and he still loves him till today. I mean, still preaches his stuff and, you know, honors him as, a, as his father in the faith. But he said, open up to Mark, and the guy kind of groaned inside of himself, like, oh, man, i got to hear that verse again. And right when he did that, the Holy Spirit said, if you'd change your attitude, I'd show you something in that verse you've never seen before. Yeah. That's why I learned, in fact, Brother Hagin said to do this, he was in a service one time and the preacher was just railing the word of faith. This was years ago. And Brother Hagin said he was listening to this guy and he was just coming against the word of faith, coming against the word of faith. And inside, Brother Hagin said, nope, I'm not going to shut him off. And just a few minutes later, that man answered a question that Brother Hagin had about the Bible that he had been studying or looking at for 20 years. That he couldn't figure out. See, the moment you shut off the word of God and the minister, you could miss something that could change your life. And this is something that we have to deal with this in our culture. You know, I, I, we were talking to the prayer group on Tuesday and Heidi was leading the prayer group and something the Lord had impressed on me 
was this, is we actually need to go back in our mindset to a, a less entertained culture than we currently have. We actually need to create a less uh, sensory entertainment environment in our life. This is spurred on by a few things. Uh, Dale did the men's Bible study on the Holy Spirit, and he talks about it in there. And one of the things Dale had, the Holy Spirit had said to, to Dale concerning that teaching and how he did it and some of the uh, uh, discipleship material that he put out for our men's group uh, with that was essentially slow down. That was something the Lord kept impressing. Slow down. Well, we live in a society of... Uh, what did Jim Hockaday say? Eight-second attention span? Six-second attention span? We have it. It's currently happening right now. People are distracted by everything. I watch it happen all the time. Somebody in the crowd here, and you're all going to pay attention to this now, will get up and go to the bathroom, and everybody will look. Like, what is it your business that they're going to the bathroom? <laughs> it's none of your business. Just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Pay, stay focused because you could miss something. You could miss something. And I don't want to miss anything, do you? Something the Holy Spirit said to me a few days ago concerning knowledge. He said, there are many in my church who have exchanged book knowledge for fellowship. They've exchanged it. I have impressed many of my children to set their study books down and fellowship with me, but they have not. But if they would, they would find their answer. You ever, have you ever done this? In fact, one of our teachers at Ramah talked about this. They said, if you go to a book before the Bible to get your answer. Remember Doug Jones? Oh, he nailed it. He said, you may not be as strong in fellowship with the Lord as you think you are. He said, you need to look to see what the Bible says first. And I'm not against books. We study books. But I know people that all they do is study books. They have more book time than they do Bible time. In fact, they're so impressed with the book knowledge that they actually forgot that the Bible actually says something against what they read in the book. <laughs> this is, I've watched this happen in parenting. There are parenting books out there that actually... That actually prescribe doing something with your children that actually the scripture says you shouldn't. And they, because the person has a PhD in child psychology or rearing kids or whatever, the, the, the person says, well, they're really smart. They have wisdom. What wisdom? Have you ever seen this before? The culture in church just by default, because of the force of the earth, the gravity pull of the earth, which is toward sin and toward natural thinking, it tends to just drift toward that and away from faith. It's not hard to do. Uh, we used to say it like this, any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim upstream. How many have noticed that swimming upstream, how many have walked with the current and turned around and walked against it? Which is harder, okay? So when you're, it takes effort to, in this life, you will have to put forth effort in your faith. You'll have to be a doer of the word. So even in the context of what we're talking about, about the move of the Holy Spirit and people understanding the move of the Holy Spirit, it takes effort. 
if you're going to speak your faith, especially if you don't, if everything is saying and how you feel is looking and feeling opposite to what you believe, it's going to take effort. Amen? And it's a work of faith. And what do you mean by that? Not that you're working to earn it. You're putting your flesh down to declare what God said concerning your situation. And that takes effort. You have to get up and go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you feel all the feelings and everything tells you that nothing is working the way it's supposed to. I don't even feel like going to work. I don't even feel like getting up and preaching. I don't feel like going to, you know, I don't feel like having to deal with my kid again. I'm not going to deal with my kids. Are they ever going to get it? If you follow that pattern, you will, you will secure them not getting it in their life while they're with you. I don't, I don't do that. I don't quit. Now, I'm not saying I have never, I have not like, oh, well, just, you know, we'll let it ride. Because <laughs> I didn't feel like, I've done that before. But as a consistent, I don't let it go. Why? You can't. The moment you do, if you're going to break barriers and cut out ahead and, and do what God wants you to do, you have to be strong in him. There has to be a fight in you that will not quit, even though it's not the popular thing to do. And most of the Christian world will actually teach you opposite of what the Bible says. As Andrew Womack says, a lot of Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. That's a fancy way of saying, God, uh, yeah, that's nice. I'm going to do what I want. And we have to be careful about it because we can't... So, I'll put it to you like this. If we want God results, we have to do it God's way. And what I've learned through the years is God's way is not the easy way. Now, the results are light and easy. But the world comes against you, this system comes against you, and you already have so many things coming against you in this life to where if you're going to do it the opposite of what the world says, then it's going to take some stout in you. You need to develop a, a backbone, not a wishbone, right? I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, a lot of Christians have a whole lot of wishbone, but no backbone. You have to develop rhino skin, you would say, what is rhino skin? Rhino skin is not soft. You don't cuddle a rhino. This is, I got you this cuddly rhino for your, you know. No, you, you have to be thick in your faith. Because the enemy is going to come again. But the results of the manifestation of the glory of God. Amen? Man, the results are worth it. They're worth it every single time. The results are. So the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 29, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. From these passages of Scripture, we can readily see that the Lord does not want us to be in the dark when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in His church today. This is a big deal, because there's a lot of confusion about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit in the church. We have whole sections and groups of people that don't even believe that the Spirit of God is, is even moving today in these gifts. I mean, a large portion of the church. 
Then we have a large portion of the church that was raised in some of these things, and they got uncomfortable and didn't understand and didn't go back to the Word. And so instead of going back to the Word, learning and developing and fighting through in faith on what they know is right in the Scripture, they actually just run away from it because I don't know how to deal with it. But the Scripture clearly tells us right here that I'm not supposed to be ignorant. Do you know that statement, you're not supposed to be ignorant, is actually in the New Testament only three times? And one of them is on end times? How much confusion is out there on that? You know what I mean? But even in the, concerning the gifts of the Spirit, I actually had a, a pastor tell me, uh, uh, when I was uh, talking to him, and we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and he, he actually mentioned to me, he said, I think those are for small groups. And I'm thinking, have you ever, what size was the church at Corinth? And I know what he was saying. He actually told me, he said, we allowed that at first in our church, but he said, I just didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't fault him, okay, because I don't know where he's at. But 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, don't be what? Is ignorance stupid? Is it the same word? It is not. Ignorant means what? Uninformed. So if I don't know something, what do I need to do? Get informed. How do I get informed? First, here. From here, the teacher, the author of the book, shows me how to function in the gifts. Do you see that? The proper parameters for what God prescribes for the move of the Spirit in a church. This is such a big deal to the Holy Spirit, and we'll see why here in just a little bit. Jesus told us in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, that he would be leaving, but he would send us another helper, the Holy Spirit. Many in the church today do not understand the operation of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to discover from the Scriptures the importance of a the, of the Holy Spirit-filled church. A church that has knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. A church that lives in intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit and senses His promptings in ministering to the church and the world around them. As we come together, let's desire, discover, develop, and develop in the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Through this series, please take time to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 over and over again, just when you think about it, or when the Lord prompts you. Wait on the Lord in prayer and meditation over these verses. As we will see, the profit of the church depends on whether we do this or not. Did you know that the profit of this church depends on whether you flow with the Holy Ghost or not? Not me. You. Now, people hear that and they go, oh, how am I going to do that? Well, it's not pressure. It's fellowship. Do you ever go out with your best friend and go, I'm so nervous. Why? I'm going out with my best friend. Who's your best friend? Well, we've been, we've been friends for 20 years. I never know what to do around them. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You know, if you've been married for 25 years, now, if you're going on your first date, I get it. But, <laughs> so there's a little bit of nervousness. But you know the Lord. You know the Spirit of God. What we do is we get it in our head, and we let things out here affect us, and then we miss what God's saying. See, this takes time and intimacy and effort. Amen? It takes time, intimacy, and effort. And I'm not talking about you regurgitating what you heard prophet so-and-so say. I'm going to say it again. 
I am not talking about you regurgitating what prophet so-and-so said. I'm talking about an individual who has a relationship with the Lord who hears from him and hears something specific maybe for somebody in the congregation or for a group or has a specific something given to them for somebody at their work or whatever it is, and you go and you minister that to them. You heard from the Lord. You didn't just, and I'm not against the prophets, don't get me wrong. I believe the prophets are around today and they're, they're doing fine. Especially in today's church. They weren't doing as good in latter years. <laughs> okay? But especially today. They are, they're doing fine. But I'm talking about you heard from the Lord. You know that he spoke to you. You say, how does that happen? Fellowship with the Lord. I'll put it to you like this. I'm reading a book and I've just been continuing to read it and continuing to read it on uh, Praying in Other Tongues by Brother Hagin. It's an excellent book. It's called Tongues Beyond the, the Upper Room by Kenneth E. Hagin. And it's such a good book. But he said, he made this statement. He said, people have come up to me and said, um, I need you to hear from the Lord for me. <laughs> and he said, I can't do that. And he's, he's had people come up to him and said, and make the statement of, you need to tell me exactly how to hear from the Lord. He said, I can't do that. I can tell you the principles of the word. He said this, what people need to do is just spend time in the presence of the Lord long enough until they hear him. And people say, how do you know when you hear him? Listen, 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 listen. When you hear from God, you'll know. Because it'll be the same Holy Spirit that said you're his child now. And people say, well, I don't know if I've heard from him yet. Then wait longer. People say, well, I don't have time. Then you don't want to hear that bad. Ten-second culture. Can't pray for an hour in other tongues. It's too long. Or too, my head just goes. Why are you letting your head go? Fellowship, 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 fellowship. When, when will I? When, you'll know when you hear. People say, well, I, I've been asking about this particular thing for 10 years, and, and I still don't know what to do. Then you need to wait longer in his presence. And if you mean by asking, every once in a while you throw up a, Lord, I don't understand this, and then you just go on with your day. Is that waiting on the Lord? No. Do you know what God is? A perfect gentleman. He'll just stand. People say, I've been waiting 20 years, and God's in heaven going, it's really not that long. <laughs> I know it sounds humorous, but it's true. You just wait. This is exactly, God gets this nervous about our situations. Not at all. Well, you know how bad it is, Lord. He actually knows more how bad it is than you do. <laughs> He's got a deeper insight. He sees things you can't even see. And you say, what's the answer then? Wait on the Lord. T till when? Till you know that you know that you know. Will I know when I know? You'll know when you know. If God needs to, he will smack you in the forehead and help you know. But you've got to wait until you know. You gotta wait until you have to silence the other voices. You have to silence all the other stuff and get down to the, the basic. 
Just get down to quietness and you'll hear from him. The purpose of this series is to strengthen the church in understanding and cooperating with the move of the Holy Spirit decently and in order. Learning and doing this covers two points in the church's vision. Part of our church's vision, if you go to the website, you'll read this. There are four different points, but here are two of them. Part of the church vision is that you grow in relationship with God through life in Christ. Another is to discover, develop, and serve through life. You know, part of the church's whole service to each other is the gifts of the Spirit. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, all the gifts. Now, you know what we haven't seen much of? I haven't, including me. I haven't seen much of the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, and the gift of faith. And I want to see them. (laughs) How about you? People getting up out of wheelchair. I mean, people, Jesus went into the pool of Bethesda. And how long was that man crippled? 38 years? And instantly he walked. My God. Think about that. Do you know how atrophied his muscles were in his legs? And instantly he picks up his bed. And that means Jesus said, get up, you're healed. Take up your bed. The man stood, while he's standing up, muscles growing in his legs. Come on. Growing in his legs. Think about this. John chapter, you can read it later. John chapter 4 and John chapter 5 is where these miracles are. The nobleman's son. Jesus goes to him and says, I'm trying to stir you up so you, you see the importance on this. The nobleman's son, he's, he is the spirit of death is on the nobleman's son. The scripture says he had a fever and he was about to die. In fact, the father said it to Jesus, if you don't heal my son, he's going to die. What is that? The spirit of death is on him. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. How would you like that if I said that to you? See, we, we got to change our, we got to get our thinking right. Our thinking is not right. What if you came up to me and you said, I need you to come to, so-and-so is going to die in the hospital. If you don't come, or at home, if you don't come and you don't pray, and I looked at you and I said, go your way. They live. Would I be doing what Jesus did? Would I be copying? Would I be, would I be in, in right line with what? And the man sa- it says this, the man believed Jesus' word and went his way. Now that's faith. Because his son is about to what? And he just hears a word. You and I have the capability to believe that way. We're built to believe that way. We're actually built to speak that way. And then when, as, as, he's, as the nobleman's getting to his house, the scripture says that, the, that his, some servants or whoever, people from his house met him and said, your son lives. And he said, when did the fever leave him? Or when did he start getting better, basically? And the scripture says that the fever left him at a certain hour, and he, in his mind, went, that's exactly when Jesus said that. And I turned and started walking. Think about this. Jesus isn't even in the room. He's not even within a shouting distance of the house, he releases a faith word into the air. The man that that came to him hears it, catches that by faith, goes in faith. That word runs out ahead of the nobleman, reaches the nobleman's son, and that fever goes, we got to go. 
And the fever, what? Left him. Which means the fever can hear. Right? We serve a big God. He is a compassionate God. He's omnipresent. The fever could hear and it left. You remember uh, when uh, Peter uh, saw his mother-in-law get healed? The scripture says that Jesus spoke to the what? To the fever. And the fever immediately, watch this, not slow recovery. How many have ever gotten over a fever before in the natural? Okay? The rest of you are lying. All right, so, <laughs> I know I'm teasing you. You gotten over, okay, how, you, 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 you had a sickness come against you, cold, whatever it is, and then you start to walk out of it, you start to feel better, the symptoms start to leave. Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed, Jesus spoke over her, the fever left, she got up and started working. Instantly. How many of you have seen the, the, perp, the uh, reenactment of this in The Chosen? It was just like that. I, I mean, I, I, she might, you know, it's not in the scripture, it doesn't say that she said, who are you? You know, she says that to Jesus in the, in the Chosen movie. She looks at, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. And, and she said, welcome to my son-in-law's home. <laughs> and then she gets up, and they're like, no, 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 stay in bed. She's like, no. And she just starts barking orders to everybody and starts serving people. The fever was there. She couldn't get out of bed. Jesus speaks. Bam, it's gone. Full energy and strength. Here we go. Ooh. <sighs> Somebody say, that's, that's for me, that's for me, that's for me. That's for us. If you're watching online, I don't care if you're in bed, that's for you, that's for you. That's for you, Randy. That's for you. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. Come on. If this move wasn't important to the Lord, why'd he put it in Scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 2 says this, You know that you were Gentiles carried away, but to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. The Mirror Bible says it this way, Holy Spirit will never distract from Jesus or prompt anyone to dishonor Christ. Holy Spirit will always magnify the lordship of Jesus. So what do we know? Right away, we know that what? These people had a background, and they're bringing that background into the move of the Spirit. As they're bringing that background into the move of the Spirit, they made mistakes. But did, Peter, did Paul say, don't do it anymore? There's too many mistakes being made. What did he say? He said, okay, this is right, this is wrong. Corrections coming forth. So as the move of the Spirit happens in the church, you're going to be able to know, if you know the Word and you know the Holy Spirit, you're fellowshipping with Him, you're going to be able to know when somebody does something and it's out of place. 
I was, uh, this was years ago, uh, Tony Cook was teaching one of our classes down at Ramah. He was talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He made this statement that he was in a church as an associate pastor. And in one of the services, a lady during worship jumped, uh, or was already, everybody was standing, stood up kind of and started rushing to the front and loudly saying, Thus saith the Lord God, I'm a prophetess of God. And she started to just, I mean, it was totally out of place. Everybody come to the altar right now and repent for all the da 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 And this pastor of this church had taught his people. Nobody moved. Because the parking lot prophet is not the lead in the church. The pastor is. God doesn't give multiple... I'll put it to you like this because this will help you understand it without... It'll make you laugh. You'll accept the truth a little bit better. Because sometimes when pastors say this stuff, people go, who do they think they are? How much time do you have? Because I can show you, if I relinquish my grace, I'm a fool. Would you just let anybody come into your house and start parenting your kids? People say, well, I'm older than you. How could you be my dad? (laughs) I'm not your dad. I'm just the one graced. To lead. Uh, Trust me, I tried to get out of it. I did. Because it's not always easy. But I'm not going to even go there. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. That that congregation understood. So if, I'll put it to you like this, as a husband and wife. um, You have to be unified, right? In your leading of your children, correct? Okay? You have one head, that head is Jesus, okay? Well, it's the same in the church. You can't have more than one head leading. Anything with more than one head is a freak. (laughs) Okay? Come on. Who's been to the circus? Right? Or you've seen a movie about it anyway. Anything with more than one head is what? And people have said this before. People say, well, I don't like the lead in this church. And uh, I'm not talking about ours. But just in general, if God wants them out, he can do it. Can't he? He's more than able. He'll move them on. (laughs) He'll move them on. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, um, will never distract or prompt anyone to dishonor Christ. Holy Spirit will always magnify the lordship of Jesus. So going back to the testimony or the story I was telling you about Tony Cook. He was an associate pastor at this church. So this lady comes running to the front. She wants everybody to follow her. And the pastor looked over at Tony Cook, who's an associate, and pointed at him and then pointed at the lady. And he said, you get her out of here. So what did Tony do? Now watch. This is what the lady says to him. He takes her to the back room. You try and talk sense into some people. Some people just won't listen. Some people will. (laughs) She says, well, I'm a prophetess. And when the Spirit of God comes on me, I have to do what he says. Really? Tony said. The Scripture says that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So watch. Knowing the Word of God. And knowing the Holy Spirit does what? Brings structure and order, decency and order to what? The move of the Spirit. Because how many know this? Great light attracts bugs. 
It's not a scripture, but it's true, okay? You... <laughs> All right? It's like any, anything with more than one head is a freak, okay? You... Okay, we can't say that today because we have to create whole groups of things that, you know, make everybody feel super comfortable about. <laughs> yeah, you got to be a safe place. Snowflake. Okay, so, <laughs> but what do we see here? The Holy Spirit flows as the congregation knows him, it flows in unity and decency. If We aren't going to get to these verses tonight, but later on in the chapter, if you've read through it, you know that the scripture talks about the fact that we are a body. And how many know your body functions together? If it doesn't function as it should together as a whole, then it ends up, what? It, it's considered a dis-ease, Right? Instead of having ease. So in the move of the Spirit, the more people that know the Lord and know the move of the Spirit, the more, the stronger the church will be in its uh, uh, ability to flow and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, which means more manifestation, more uh, greater levels of the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit can take place. So we have to get out of the mentality of, I'm just coming to church. Now, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, okay? I probably wouldn't teach this on a Sunday morning because you have more, you, have, you, have, you just have a greater group of people that are at different spiritual levels. But there is a requirement upon the church, collective, to know the Lord. And it starts with, Lord, is there anything you want me to share with it? Is there a, is there a gift of the Spirit you want to flow through me to another part of the body this week? Or somebody in my world. We need to be aware of that. And be conscious of that. And be open. And hearing from the Holy Spirit. So we need to stay aware. Uh, this is always a great reminder for those of us who have experience in this arena of flowing with the Holy Spirit. To make sure we are presenting what the Lord is saying and not speaking from another spirit. Or out of our own mind. You know, I know people that are so stirred up on uh, the Q, you know, QAnon, the, the, the group. I don't even, I've not studied the group. I don't know what it is. And all these different theories about what's going to take place with the presidency and prophecies and all. And they've just mashed it all together in their mind. And they have tons. They've spent hours looking at this. And they're full of that. So they think that's the Holy Spirit. And so they project it as God when really it's just their take on what it is. If you want to hear from the Holy Spirit from, for you, you spend time with Him. We do receive from ministers. I'm not saying God wouldn't lead you to, to, uh, to listen to a minister or to listen to a uh, 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 somebody that was teaching a, a, along a certain line. He may give you that, but you need to hear for you concerning what God is saying to you. See, the natural man, it's easy for the natural man to default to someone else doing their praying for them. The scripture, we read it in James this morning, and I'm not going to go there, but the scripture says in James, it says, if any man is afflicted or in affliction, let him pray. I read that and I thought, huh, it doesn't say call the prayer chain. 
let him pray. People say, well, I prayed, but it just didn't, it didn't work the way I wanted it to, so we should stop praying? See, this is where growth comes in. If you want to see breakthrough in your life in areas and development spiritually, you've got to stay with it till you get it. Now, we do this in the natural. We do it with business things. We do it with all sorts of things. But somehow in the spirit and in faith, we kind of disconnect that principle. We shouldn't. We should stick with it. Well, I've read this verse, and I've read this verse, and I've read this verse, and Lord, I just don't understand this verse. I've read this verse, and I've read this verse, and I've read this verse, and I've looked at this verse. So the answer is not giving up on the verse. The answer is wait until you know. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says this, There are diversities of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. The Mirror Bible says it this way, There may be different manifestations of the grace gifts, but they they will not confuse since the same Spirit is speaking. Now, there could be different manifestations, but they all have a motivation from the same source. Now, watch. So we see that diversity in manifestation does not mean there is multiple spirits involved. These gifts all function from the one Holy Spirit. As the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, one of the ways that we can tell that they are correct is that they work together and do not bring confusion, but they bring clarity. All the gifts of the Spirit complement and work together because they are all from one Spirit. What a powerful picture to the church of the diversity and unity of God. Oneness without losing individuality. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing to me what God can do that I don't even... I mean, I read it and I go... Boy, the world wants cookie cutter, and God goes, I like all sorts. You know, you you get together, and you're going to make cookies with God. He's going to have gingerbread men and stars and Christmas trees. And the world wants uniformity, uniformity, be like this, conform to this. And God goes, no, let's have one spirit in all of it, but let's have diversity in expression. Have you noticed that I preach different than Herb? And I love diversity. I mean, I told I, said, I want I want every race in my church. I want I, I mean I love worship. I like I like uh, even in worship. You know, I, I was telling uh, I don't remember who it was down at Rama. We had a Hammond organ when we had worship, and when the Spirit got to moving, I mean, you get that that thing was going. Whoa, I mean, it was just going. And all, the, all, the, all of our black brothers and sisters, I mean, they get it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'm dancing like a white guy. But I don't care. I like that church. I like it. I've been with, I've been with you know, stoic Lutheran, you know, Norwegian background, you know, people. And I like that too. My grandparents were Episcopal. They went to the Episcopal church in, in, uh, uh, here in Billings. Father John was the, was the uh, pastor there at that time. And he was a spirit-filled priest. They cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, watch them recover. I am not, God likes diversity. He just wants one spirit. 
Or you could put it this way, one motivation. In other words, uh, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit have both unity and variety. They have not the same purpose or magnitude, but each is given by one and the same Holy Spirit. These manifestations of the Spirit are called gifts, but the idea of a gift lies in the quality and ground and must be carefully used. These, like salvation, are works of grace, but they still reside in the Holy Spirit. In other words, their presence is someone does not their presence in someone does not necessarily signify great holiness, sanctification, or maturity. The word diversities or varieties gives the idea of distribution. And, as it is made clear throughout the discussion, this is done by the choice of the Spirit. So, in other words, we'll see this later, but it's the Holy Spirit who chooses who, who gets what gift. But that gift doesn't make that individual, ooh, look at me. It's for the profit of all. We'll see that in verse 7. These gifts are the result of divine grace and consequently are not based on the recipient's worthiness. We can clearly see that maturity is not a prerequisite for flowing in the gifts of the Spirit because they happened in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was getting drunk at communion. That's why we don't serve wine. We serve grape juice. You know, some people are like, no, no, you're trying to... (laughs) People say, oh, no, that would never happen in church. It did in the Corinthian church. They ate all the bread. They were like, oh, it's lunchtime. They ate all of Jesus and left nothing for anybody else. They ate the whole body. They just whomp. And Paul says, don't you have a place to eat at home? Don't you have food at home? So it wasn't about maturity. Maturity in Christ, however, is, however, preferred and should be strived for because flowing in the gifts of the Spirit is more profitable like all things when accompanied with maturity. You may be sitting there thinking, what does, why, why are we talking about this? Because we each individually have a responsibility outside of me and the leadership of the church to flow with the Holy Spirit and his gifts. You actually are actually not performing as a disciple of Christ what you should be if these gifts, are, if you're not open to them and they're not flowing through you. People say, well, I don't, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. It's not pressure. It's fellowship. The more you fellowship with the Lord, the easier it gets. And people say, well, I don't know much. Again, maturity is not a requirement. Now, ignorance is an issue, but we're taking care of that. So if, how many like prophecies over the church? You get excited in the service. How many like it when Jim Hawkins, other Leanne's been here, and they prophesy over the church, and you feel that anointing go over you? Do you know that prophecy cannot come to pass? People say, oh, no, it's a prophetic word. It will automatically come to pass. <laughs> read your Bible. Please, please read it. There was a prophecy over the children of Israel about going into the, into the promised land, and the first generation died in the wilderness. Prophecies are not automatic. We have to cooperate with the Lord. So people say, well, yeah, so-and-so prophesied over my kid that they're going to become this and this and this. Not unless they follow the Lord. I tell my kids this. My kids have had prophecies over them. I remember them. I never forget them. Now, I forget a lot of things, like their birthday. But I will not forget what God said over them. 
I will not. I've said it to the, all of them. They go, well, you know, what is God saying about this? I go, go find out. Have you prayed about it? Well, no, I thought maybe you had the answer. I do. Go pray. <laughs> well, God, you, Dad, you already know because the Lord showed you something. It doesn't mean I'm going to tell you. <gasps> you don't love your kids. Actually, I love my kids. What do I know? I know that I will not, they have to hear for themselves. What if they make a wrong decision? Well, as long as it isn't catastrophic, I'll let it ride. <gasps> what? This is what the beginning of God's path for your life is like. When you get to the end, it's like this. It gets narrower and narrower because he requires more because you know more. What do you mean by it's not catastrophic? I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Years ago, Taylor had friends. She used to have friends. It was great. And I know she was going to public school, and she had some friends, and these friends were not the greatest. And I knew they weren't. Some, they were okay, you know, as long as they were supervised. And I'm big on this because I hung around people that I shouldn't have, and so it's caused me to be extra. Well, listen, I'll just put it to you this way. None of you are snowing me. I know. I, I mean, how many have ever seen the class clown become the teacher and then nobody can get away with anything in the class? Yeah, well, that was me, only I wasn't the class clown, but I knew how to party, I knew how to get, I knew how to, the system worked. So I've seen almost everything, unfortunately. But anyway, so it makes me a little bit strict on some things. Eh, I can live with it. Other people can't, but that's okay, they'll get over it. You'll figure this out about me, I'm going to do it. If I feel like the Lord told me to do it and I have conviction about it, I don't care if it hair lips the devil and make everybody mad. I'll do it. So anyway, she, <laughs> she had these friends. And she, they were having a birthday party and they were like, uh, they said, uh, you know, they asked her if she could spend the night. I said, no, you can't spend the night, but you can go over there. And so we, uh, uh, and I, you know, dropped her off and I walked into the house and I went, uh-huh. I could feel it instantly. I knew. And they all know I'm a minister. So I walk in and, and I drop her. And I didn't say anything. I just, you know, dropped her off and everything. And everything was fine. And then we were picking her up at a certain time. So I went back and I picked her up. And she got in the car and she goes, I love mom and I love dad. I love you, dad. And she, I can't remember how old was she at the time, 10 or 12, somewhere in there. Anyway, I said, what do you mean? She goes, she goes, she just knew something's not right in that house. This was controlled. For one, I knew nothing was going to happen. I wasn't going to let her spend the night. It wasn't happening. But I knew she's going to learn something here. And she goes, she said to me, she goes, I like our house. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know. It just does it feels, you know, what she's saying is there's peace in our house. There's not peace in that house. Why? Because we don't let devils run loose in our house. I do not let devils run loose in my house. And you better not let devils run loose in your house. And people say, well, what do you mean by that? You clean them out. You don't allow things to live in your own life that give them access. You clean it out. You keep it clean. And people say, well, we don't, you know, uh, even, 
I'll just put it to you like that. I heard Keith Moore say this years ago. He was talking to a particular man, and he ended up, I don't know how, but he ended up being a single dad, and he had one child, and the Lord dealt with him and told, uh, told Keith. Keith uh, wrote a letter to him or spoke to him on the phone and said, even if you keep things secretly from your kids, if they're there, the Spirit's there. <laughs> you, you leave a door open. And he said, it'll affect you. you. I've watched this happen repeatedly. It'll show up in the kids. It's happened time and time again. I've watched it happen. And it's a spiritual thing. And here's the thing. The kids don't even know. A lot of times they're just functioning along, you know, in a direction, going a direction. They don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. It's just it's in the, it's in the spirit world. It's in the spirit world. So you've got to watch that. But the more mature we are as believers, the more we're aware of the Holy Spirit, we can actually influence these things for advancement and for the kingdom of God taking place. Like if you ever, uh, uh, um, we're going to have to end here. I don't want to, but we're going to have to. Have you ever seen, have you ever been around somebody and, or experienced this yourself? Like you got a bad attitude and you don't even know why. Like nothing's wrong. I think Herb mentioned this. Uh, he was in a in one of our in one of our when we were having some uh, Holy Ghost meetings years ago, and uh, on Sunday nights. And he the Spirit of God moved. It was awesome. I don't remember all the details, but he felt just like wow, like on cloud nine. And nothing was wrong in his life. There was no real problems or anything like that. And the next morning he woke up and he was just like meh, and he just felt down, kind of, just kind of off. And for no reason. It's an influence. It's an influence from the spirit world. Well, I don't even like that person. And people will do this. They'll go, they'll go, I don't even like that person. This especially teenagers can be this way and public school or school. Just actually homeschoolers are just as bad. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes homeschoolers are worse. Us four and no more, right? <laughs> My kids are homeschooled, so don't get upset. <laughs> You're like, picking on homeschoolers. <laughs> or pub, it doesn't, but have you ever noticed this? Like a group will just decide they don't, or a person will just decide they just don't like somebody. No reason. There's no legitimate reason to, they just decide, Meh. I'm going to cause problems today. You do not want to yield to that. You want to stop it. Uh, my wife will call me on it. And, and what it is is usually you have a conversation or something going on in your own mind and in, in, inside yourself, and somebody invaded that world. And they didn't even know it was going on. But they got the wrath of it. Brother Hagin talked about it. I watched it. Now, my dad's in heaven, so I can say this. I'd probably say if he was here, if he knew my dad, he'd tell on me too. But uh, I remember my dad would come home uh, from work at night, and I knew, actually Sundays after church, I knew he would be in a bad mood when I was a kid. I knew it. And it wasn't that he was necessarily, it wasn't anything that he, he just didn't express it well, but I, he was being influenced. Leave me alone. 
So instead of, and I developed partially some of this habit, I've had to work on it more and more. Thankfully, I have Heidi. I told my kids the other day, you know why you kids are going to turn out so well? And they, they, why, Dad, why? Because we're putting a puzzle together for the, what do we do? What's it called? 12 days of Christmas, yeah. I didn't think of that. My wife does all the cool stuff. I said, you know why you're going to turn out so well? And they're like, they're like, they're like, why, why Dad? Because I married Heidi. <laughs> All strengths with none of my weakness. It'll be great. None of my weaknesses. But I, I, and I'm just joking, you know, partially. But instead, when you have something that's bothering you, it would be better, it, like if, for me, it would be better to go, you know what? I don't need, to, I can't just, I can't deal with this right now. Give me 30 minutes by myself. I just need to get straightened out. And, and let me get my heart and my mind, I should say my mind, right in this, or very nicely say, you know what, I just don't feel like talking right now, let's just wait a little bit and then we can talk about it, or I'll play the game with you, or I'll, you know what I mean? But I don't do that. I, I tend to bite or bark. Why? Develop pattern from my dad. And I don't blame my dad. Because it's just, it is what it is. It's just nature of being in the fallen world. But I need to adjust that. I need to adjust. I need to be so sensitive, and this is what we're pushing for here. We need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he prompts us on the littlest thing. And we go, okay, Lord, I'm going to take some time and pray about that right now. He, could, he, he may come to you and he may say, uh, he may tap you on the shoulder and say, I need you to pray for so-and-so in the church right now. And you never know what they're going through. Or they may t- he may tap you on the shoulder and say, uh, so-and-so in the church needs $100. And so you go to the bank and you pull $100. And then you, next time you see him, you give it to him. Or he may say to you, I want you to pray for healing for this person the next time you see them. But what needs to happen? It's, we need diversity, but we need what? Unity, one source, one spirit. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Aware of our responsibility in fellowship in the family, not only to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also to what? Each other. Not functioning in fear but stepping out in faith even deeper into what we are unaware of or not familiar with. Why? Because God is asking this church to flow in the Holy Spirit. Not afraid of missing it. Or I should say it this way, stepping past and boldly moving past the fear of missing it. Amen? Because why? And we said this last week when we looked at verse 1 and we looked at verse 2. But there actually are, there, there could be someone's deliverance could be missed if we don't function the way we should in fellowship with the Lord. So don't make this complicated this week. Don't go look up the Greek and the Hebrew or any of that. You don't need to. All you need to do is go, Lord, is there anything? Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. I just come to you right now. I'm just going to wait in your presence here for 15 minutes. Is there anything I need to say? 
and the Holy Spirit will go, this is what I want you to, to, to deal with. And it may be something personal. It may not be something for the whole church. It may be something personal. But you'll get what you need to get. You may pray for somebody and may never speak to them about any of what you prayed about. Or you may have a word for the whole church when it comes time to share. But God will begin to move on you. And what will take place is, is your confidence will grow. But you'll feel so good because now you're getting into the heart of the Father concerning how he loves the world and his children. And I'm just going to say it to you like this. God, listen to me very carefully. I want you to hear this, okay? Because I'm going to say something that's going to flip some of your heads. God actually loves the, his children more than he does the world. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love it. You think, you, people think, oh, that's blasphemy. The scripture actually talks about the fact that he loved us while we were sinners, but how much more now that we're what? So what did I just say? He loves you more as his child than the world who's lost. And I'm not saying he doesn't love the world because we know he paid Jesus for him. But what I'm telling you is you're in a greater spot. Come on, hear me. See, some of you don't even believe it. You wouldn't even say it. I'm going to say it. God loves me more than he loves the lost world. You say, how do you say that? By faith, because it isn't by feeling. See, you're afraid to say it. <laughs> some of you are afraid to think it. Ooh, he loves me more. Yes. Watch. People, will, believers will do this. They'll go up to somebody who's lost and who has a sickness or something. God will provide that for you, but then they'll struggle to believe that God will provide it for them. You're his kid. Whew. See, this we need to get it. We got to grow in this. It's going to take us a little bit, I can tell. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.